Um, anyway, so we're continuing our series on transformed life. Uh, we started last week, Steve kicked us off, um, looking at the fact that we have been marvelously made. Amen. Um, but we're fatally flawed, sad to say. But yet we're totally transformed in the power of Jesus. Hallelujah. So we're really looking over these next seven weeks at what it means to live a transformed life. That we are totally transformed. That when we made a decision to trust and follow Jesus, we have been transformed. Now today we're going to start and look at the first couple of verses of Ephesians. But alongside this preaching series, we are using, uh, we're encouraging people to follow this book written by Dave Smith, who uh, a lot of material he's put together. And it's a daily devotional book following the series that we're doing. And it actually starts um, in full force, if you like, this week. Day one, week one, brand new. And it follows the series. So if you want to get one of those, your life group leaders do have them. Um, if you're not part of a life group, it's encouragement to join a life group. But also I do have some as well. So if you want to see me at the end, um, we'll make sure that you've got one of those. Okay, so the first couple of verses of the book of Ephesians. I'm just going to pray first. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it gives us encouragement. It teaches us how, what it is to live our lives for you, Jesus. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, come speak through the words that I used this morning that we might be encouraged, inspired, equipped for the things that you've called each one of us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so it says this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There we are. That's the word of God for today. So here the Apostle Paul introduces us to three great themes of the transformed life. The first is identity, second, belonging, and third is purpose. Here, Paul starts out to show us something of what it is to live a transformed life. His first theme that we have is a brand new identity. That we have a brand new identity as a follower of Jesus. Now the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, was completely aware of his new identity, of the difference for him between what he was like before he encountered Jesus and after. The Apostle Paul once persecuted and imprisoned and even killed people for following Christ. And then here we see in verse 1, there's a radical transformation. Here he sees himself as an apostle of Christ. A vigorous, a pioneering advocate for the salvation of people to know Christ, to know faith in Christ. 
He's gone from being uh, somebody who totally persecuted them to somebody who absolutely loved them. He had a complete transformation of identity, of understanding who he was. If I were to ask you uh, this question today, who are you? I wonder what range of answers we'd get. Maybe the first thing you might think of is, well, I'm, I'm a dad, or I'm a brother, I'm a sister, I'm a husband, I'm a son. I would say that I am many things, but do they define actually who I am? This, this Christmas, I went back to Hastings after a wonderful Christmas Day service, and um, I, I got to spend some time with my family, and we played this game, and um, it's called Guess Who, and I'm sure you've played it um, as a kid. You may have played it with children as well. And um, my brother brought it along to the family get-together, and we played Guess Who, and there was about eight of us playing, loads of us playing. And we also had one at home. This is a slightly different one. But um, this is one. And what you have to do, you have to wear something on your head, a bit like that. And you get a card put in. And I've put a card in this one already. And you don't know who you are. And you have to, it's a series of going around the room, and you just have to ask one question about this person. So the person in my hand, I might say, do I have blue eyes? And you would say, no. Okay? So this, obviously, this person doesn't have blue eyes. has brown eyes. You would say, does this person have white hair? Yes. yes, you see? And there's this process of working out who you are. And, you know, there was a point during this game, I got really frustrated because there were, we had small children playing. You have to explain the rules to them about 100 times. And they're still working out how to play the game. And it goes round and round. And you get to yourself and you ask your question. And this one was about insects and animals as well. So I said, am I an insect? The answer was no. And I was like... Is that it? I want to find out who I am. And I had to wait another 10 minutes for it to come back to me again. And the point of this illustration is this. Am I Victor, by the way? Yes, there we are. I know who I am. So it was a frustration for me, spending time finding out who I was playing this game. We spend a lot of our life trying to work out who we are. We go through life questioning our significance, looking at where we find value, questions about whether we'll be accepted, whether people will like us in different places where we end find ourselves. What do people think of me? And all these questions come out of a root of who we are, our identity. Now, unfortunately, we get a lot of our cues from situations and circumstances around us. And quite often, they're not telling us what we want to hear or what God actually says about us. These cues that we pick up, they can affect us at the very core of who we are. These cues that we've been picking up from before we were born, they can be very subtle. They can be in the little things. I mean, how many times have you said under your breath this week, 
oh, I'm such an idiot. I know I've said it. You know, I'm so stupid. Why did I do that? You know, if you speak these things out, you're actually agreeing with them. You know, we've been conditioned how easy it is to believe that, um, that we're failures, that we're useless, that we're not worth anything, that we can't succeed. You know, we hear things around us, cues every day, either through our own insecurities or trauma that we've experienced or upbringing or from those around us. You know, you can believe things about yourself which actually just aren't true. You know, if we go right back to the Garden of Eden, I wasn't around then, but the devil had a plan and his plan was to rob every one of us of all that God has for us. The devil has a plan to rob you of your great identity that you can know in God. The devil is the great orphan maker. He doesn't want you to walk into your inheritance. He doesn't want you to walk into all that God has for you. He wants to rob you of knowing your worth and your value. The devil is the great accuser. The Bible talks about him being the father of lies and he doesn't want you to walk in freedom. He doesn't want you to step out in all that God wants for you. But you know what? God has a greater plan. Isn't that wonderfully reassuring that we believe in a God that's greater, that's more powerful, that's more uh, incredible, and he's got a greater plan. And he had a plan even before the devil came into the Garden of Eden to ruin it all. God wants everyone of us here today to enjoy him, to know him, to be in relationship with him. And you know how we do that? By coming to Jesus, by knowing Jesus. God had a plan, and that was all about relationship. He was in relationship with Adam and Eve, and they knew God. They were complete in wholeness, complete in identity. And God wants that for us. Our original identity is for us to know complete security in God through Christ. Wholeness in our value and acceptance, complete in our significance and confidence in who we are. If you know Jesus here today, then you can be confident that you have been called to a purpose in God. When you choose to trust in Jesus and follow him, the process of our identity of being robbed has been reversed. If you're in Christ, that process has been completely reversed. That Jesus holds the keys to helping each one of us know freedom in him. If we go back to these verses, in verse 1, Paul calls the Ephesians saints because of their place in Christ. They are saints. It's as if they've been washed completely clean. 
This is their identity. They are completely clean. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That is your identity. You are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You are new in Christ. You are washed clean. Hallelujah. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, these first couple of verses of Ephesians says that that when Paul was talking to the Ephesians, he calls them saints. You are saints. That is your identity. Say to the person next to them, you, I am a saint. Say to them, you are a saint. We are saints if we've chosen to follow Jesus. But many of us still allow ourselves and our identity to be shaped by the wrong things. Maybe you've had others put labels on your life. You're a failure. You're a reject. You're an orphan. You're a loner or useless. These labels no longer need to identify who you are. Okay, today is a new day. If you have a label on you that you are living in, let it go today. Cut yourself free from that label because you're brand new in Jesus. When you became a Christian, God gave you a whole new set of names. Saint, as we've just said. Beloved, precious child. Each one of us, that's our identity. Do you live in that truth? That is your identity. You are a precious child of God. You are son and daughter of the King of Kings, the the one who is seated on the throne, the one who is in heaven. You are his son. You are his daughter. Can I encourage you to allow the word of God to just shape you, to show you who you are, to make choices to build your life on who God says you are? It's time to reject those old labels. That's not who you are. You have a brand new identity in Christ. And my challenge is, are you building your life on who God says you are? So we have a brand new identity. Second, we have a brand new family. We are family. The second thing Paul introduces in this verse is a sense versus a sense of belonging. And I wonder if you'd agree that there is a fundamental need in all of us to find a place where we belong. To find a place where we belong. And people find it in lots of different places. It might be your natural family. It might be um, a, a group that you're part of. A club, a society. A need in all of us to belong. But if we have our identity in Christ, then we have this wonderful identity, this brand new belonging with the family of God. And I would say it's the greatest place of belonging on earth. Is that what you feel? Is that what you know? Is this the greatest sense, the greatest place of belonging that you know of, the family of God? And I would say there's a few reasons for this. Firstly, 
that the head of this family is no less than Father God himself. When you got placed in Christ, it wasn't some administrative act, right? Tick, there we are. You're part of this uh, new group, this new club. No, it was a choice of a loving father to send his son to die on a cross, to rise from the dead, to set us free, that our new identity is in him. It was the choice of a loving father. He loves you. It was his pleasure, as we'll hear more in Ephesians. It was his pleasure to invite us to be family together. He sees us as his wonderful, treasured, and accepted sons and daughters. What a wonderful father we have. In Ephesians 2, 18 to 19, Paul puts it like this. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Therefore, you are no longer outsiders. But you now share citizenship with the saints, God's own people, consecrated and set apart for himself. And you belong to God's own household. We are no longer outsiders to God himself. You're a citizen with God's own people. We are treated, in fact, as though we were born into this family. We are adopted into this family. We have a new identity in this family with each other. What a wonderful thing. You now belong to God and his family. Now, for 12 and a half years... We've been known as Sutton Family Church. Being family together and belonging together has been very much the DNA of this church. Pete and Mary are sewn at into us, if you like. Do you feel like you belong? Do you feel like you have a part to play in here, in this place? You know, in some ways it's wonderful that John encourages us to step out and and do chairs and set up on a Sunday. Because actually, in serving, it's the way that you belong. It's the way that you become part of what God is doing through us as God's family. You know, belonging is a key part of growing in our understanding of our identity as we share our lives with each other in the church. Now, I had a, um, a very powerful dream a few months ago. And in this dream, there is this small boy. And this small boy was cowering in, a, in this clearing, in this big dark wood. There were big trees, and there was this clearing, sort of circular clearing. And in the middle was this boy. And this boy had been there for a very, very long time. And this little boy was, was scared, and he was all alone. It was dark. It was cold. And when I woke up, I really felt that this was a significant dream that, um, that God had given me. Is it old men dream dreams? Is that, is that what the word says? Uh, great. So I wrote it down. And a few days later, I was um, FaceTiming a, a very close friend of mine, and we were chatting. And, and we often chat and we talk and pray together. And I shared this dream with him. 
And it was in the process of sharing this, this dream and, and praying with my friend that I realized that there was something in this small boy, which was me. And so my friend, he, he encouraged me to imagine being there as this small boy. And as I did, I just I saw Jesus coming from the edge of this clearing. And as Jesus came towards me, he put his hand on my shoulder. And as he did, I sort of began to straighten up. And within minutes, I was resting in his embrace. My head was on his lap. And the loneliness and the, the, the cold, the fear, and the pain that, that I would have felt as this little boy had all gone. I was in the embrace of my Savior. There's no better place than being in the embrace of the one who saved me. So I believe in that moment something very significant happened in the core of who I am as I allow God to show me what it meant to be in Christ. But an important part of this, and this is really what I want to encourage each one of us, is we need each other. We need each other to know how to step out and to be encouraged in who we are in God, in sharing our lives with those in God's family, those we trust. And we're doing that, God has the opportunity to outwork his purposes through us. Because that's our aim, is for all of us to be instruments in God's hands, for God's glory to be worked through us. That's, that's each of our hearts, isn't it? That God would work through us. So the third and, and final great theme that Paul introduces here in these first couple of verses is the critical question, what are you living for? In Christ, we have a brand new purpose. Now there's a story about Albert Einstein taking the train once. Some of you may have heard it. And um, he was going to speak at a meeting and the conductor stopped him to punch his ticket in the good old days. But the great scientist couldn't find his ticket anywhere. I mean, batteries. Can't find these. Look in your pockets. No, he couldn't find it. And the conductor said, um, not to worry, sir. Um, I know who you are, Dr. Dr. Einstein. I'm sure you bought a ticket. And so as he, uh, he moved away, the, the conductor, he looked back to see Einstein scrabbling on the floor, still looking for his ticket. When the conductor saw him, he tried to reassure Einstein. Uh, but Einstein said, I know, where I'm, I know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. He didn't know where he was going. And so he needed his ticket. The third aspect of being brand new is not only do we come to know who we are and where we belong, but also to, feel a, to find a real sense of purpose to know where we're going. For the Apostle Paul, it was completely and utterly living for God's plan for the rest of his life. 
the immortal words of Paul in Philippians 1, to live is Christ, to die is gain, are words that I often think, my goodness, what a man of faith, to have that sort of level of, to live is Christ, to die is gain, confidence in his heart. Paul introduced himself in Ephesians 1 as an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. He was acutely aware that he discovered his purpose on earth by being in the will of God. Are you in the will of God? It was only when he, placed, he was placed in Christ that he found what he was actually made for. God has made all of us to know that we are made on purpose and for a purpose. He made us on purpose. He made us for relationship. Relationship with him through Christ. And he's made us for purpose. That we might be instruments in his hands to proclaim his glory. Listen to this wonderful promise from Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What's an amazing promise that we are God's workmanship, that we are marvelously made. We're not made by accident. You're designed by choice. Designed by choice. Every single one of you, God has designed you by choice. There are things in you that are not in someone else, that he's put in you in order to display his glory. No matter what the circumstances of your birth, God has chosen you and designed you with purpose in mind. Now, do you know what that is? I would say that we are made to be like Christ to those around us, major part of our purpose, to each other, and to those outside the church. So I'd encourage you to get to know people. Get to know people any way you can that they would see Christ in you. Might be getting to know people. I just think that's probably more my extrovert personality there about getting to know people. But whether it's people you work with or people you see in the shop, I, I was really encouraged with Dave's testimony this morning about how we met people at the bus, bus stop and he was sharing about Christ at the bus stop this morning. What a wonderful testimony of somebody gripped with the knowledge that he is loved by God and he's sharing that with others. Do you know what your purpose is? I see an evangelist there in the heart of Dave, wonderful man. As we stand in the truth of our brand new identity, and take an honest look at ourselves, we will take ground for God. It all begins in our hearts. As we stand together in the truth that we need each other, that God has called us not into isolation, but into a brand new community, his church, community of God's kingdom and purposes. Can I encourage you to draw closer to others if you don't already? Share your fears, insecurities that others may stand with you and that you might find greater freedom as we look to God together. Maybe ask a friend or two 
to meet together, pray together. And finally, as we stand in the truth that we have a brand new purpose, that God connects us to a greater plan for the whole of creation, that he's inviting us to be part of. I'd encourage us to connect with his plans and the part he's created for us to do. Now, I just want to finish this with this one story. And I felt really connecting with this last thing of that God has created us for a brand new purpose. And I read it a couple of days ago on, on Facebook. And um, her name really isn't Sarah. But it was Sarah's birthday. And the day before her birthday, she happened to explain to her mum that she had an affinity for, the, for elderly folk, folk. Since they're reaching the end of their lifespans, in her words, she wants to love them all up before they is dead. The next day, Sarah was in the grocery store with her mum to buy some cupcakes for the party. And after seeing an elderly person, Sarah exclaims at the top of her voice, Hi, old person, it's my birthday tomorrow. The mum was mortified that Sarah would call him an old person. But just as the mum was about to shush Sarah, the elderly man stopped and turned and looked right at the little girl. And he said, this is an American story. I can't do an American accent. But I can do, well, hello, little lady. That's all I'm going to do. How old are you today? They met um, and, and, and uh, they chatted and then they, they went their separate ways. And then they met again a couple of hours later. And then Sarah, <laughs> you can imagine, if you've got children, <laughs> you totally understand that your children do not behave in a way that you always want them to do, particularly in the supermarket. But Sarah then asked if she could have a photo with this elderly gentleman. And he said, a photo with me? Um, yes, sir, it's my birthday. For my birthday, she said. And so he did. He had his photo taken um, with this girl. Now, the mum thanked the, the elderly gentleman for taking the time to spend a bit of his day with them. But he said, no, thank you. This has been the best day I've had in a long time. You've made me so happy, Miss Sarah. They hugged and they separated again. Anyhow, you'd think even that is, is a great story of somebody, a little girl, showing wonderful love and just affection to um, elderly people. In fact, in this case, complete strangers. So the mum thought maybe some of the readers would like to hear this story, so obviously she put it on Facebook. Um, and as she posted the story and a photo of, these, the, 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 of the photo that was taken, later that night... She received a private message from a local reader who recognized the elderly gentleman. And they said this of the man. His wife, Susan, not really her real name, his wife had passed away in March and he had been lonely since his beloved had gone. She wanted to let me know that she was certain that his heart was touched by his encounter with this little girl and that he really needed it and that he would really never forget 
that encounter. And they did go on to meet again. And actually, it was a wonderful friendship that then became um, what it is today. But it's a great story of how we, God has called us to a great purpose. You know, it's a wonderful that we hear today of Link and what they're doing in this community. Meeting people, there are many in our surrounding neighborhood who are isolated alone. You know, and this little girl has a heart and compassion for those people. Let's be a people who make it easy to see Jesus in us, to see the hope that we believe in and trust. And I suppose the challenge for all of us, of all of us is how we can be, be those that are in Christ, that our identity is in Christ, filled with God's love and faith, have an impact on those around us. So I'm just going to pray for us now, if you want to stand. Um, and I want to pray that we'll have greater revelation of our identity and uh, in him. So if we stand, if, if you're able to. Yeah, so Father God, I thank you that our identity is in you, that your longing and that your purpose is that we would know our fullness of our completeness in you, that we have a brand new identity in Christ. And I just pray that over us now, Lord, as we look to you, that we would know our identity in you. And Lord, I just pray as well, Lord, help us to know what it is to have a brand new sense of belonging in you, in us as River Church Sutton, that you have called us to purpose. Just pray, fill us, Lord, with a sense of calling that you've put in our hearts, that we would know who you've called us to be and how we should outwork that in your hands. Amen.